0: Welcome to the Strong Men Podcast. So many of us men have got it wrong. In our attempts to be strong, we end up fragile, fake and weak. Our current understanding of what it means to be a strong man is warped. This misunderstanding almost led to my suicide and it continues to contribute towards the high suicide rate seen in men. That's why the Strong Men Podcast is on a mission. A mission to redefine the strong man. To help men grasp true strength and work towards it. Not just to keep them on the planet a little longer, but to help them thrive. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Strongman Podcast with me, Chris Stone. Thank you once again for joining me. I've been away, I've been off on my holly bobs and I'm back. I'm, I'm happy to be back and really enjoying doing these podcasts. Uh, but yeah, it was nice to have a little bit of a break. Prior to heading off, however, I did manage to squeeze in the first ever bonus Episode of the Strongman podcast. So if you missed that, make sure to go and listen back to it. It is slightly shorter than the other episodes, so it's about half an hour. And in that episode, I'm chatting a little bit about some fitness, unpopular fitness opinions that I hold, and I try and justify them as best I can. (laughs) So do go check that one out. But today, I'm not here to talk about the bonus episode that is done and dusted. We are bringing you a brand new episode and we're back to the normal way of doing things this week i've booked on david caulfield who is just a genuine guy really nice and easy to talk to when i recorded the interview it went on for over an hour and i we probably could have covered more ground i've had to obviously edit it down a little bit but that's just to give you an idea of how easygoing and how fun it really was just to chat to him now if you don't know David, he is a men's coach and he also has a huge focus on men's health, part of the reason for that is to do with his own story and I'm not going to go into it too much, I'll let him do the talking, but yes, it's a really incredible conversation, he shares a lot of great insights and he really helps to bring a lot of awareness to to health topics that some of us men probably aren't that comfortable talking about. So I'm gonna pass you straight on to the interview now with David. We're gonna hear a lot about his own story whilst also touching on some really important topics such as body image, shame, and courageous conversations. So thanks for being here. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Today, I'm delighted to welcome David Caulfield onto the Strongman podcast. How are you doing today, David? I'm really well. Thank you so much for having me on. So far, we've had just two interviews. You're the third one, and I've enjoyed every single one of them. Everyone's had a sort of unique story and perspective to bring uh, to the podcast, and I'm sure this will be the same with yourself. But yeah, we have actually never met each other, although we, we are friends. We met mainly through the powers of Instagram, I believe. Yes.
1: I I mean, it's a it's a it's a byproduct of 2020 and, and all of our lockdowns, but also because of like my journey, my story and the fact that we were both very much interested in men's mental health and we connected that way it was it was a real coming together of minds and i admired you from afar i loved what you were doing and then of course over time we shared each other's story you came on my instagram live i think it was a year ago maybe it was a little bit longer um but yeah i feel there are there are plenty of connections that i have developed from 2020 but also from just being part of this men's health men's mental health community which is an absolute joy. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, it was, uh, it's was. it been really good to connect with you. And um, yeah, lockdown was a bit of a weird time, but some good things came out of that, didn't they? Um, and yeah, I was on, I think you're right. It was about a year ago, I jumped on your your instagram live and uh, we had a really good conversation then but just for the sake of all the listeners i was wondering if you could start off and just give the listener a bit of an idea about yourself your background and a wee bit on your story and we'll delve into that a little bit more i'm sure as the interview goes on
1: sure so um i fell into the um coaching space in i would say 2017 2018 i just um started the journey of transitioning from my 20s into my 30s. And life came and whacked me across the face with a few realizations. Um, and I, I was realized that I was very much hiding behind a lot of bad habits. And those bad habits then began to create a lot of anxiety in my life. And through trying to discover how to overcome it, get through it, find a way, uh, I found coaching. And uh, in 2020, I set up my business February 2020. How unfortunate this um, February 2020, I, I unleashed coaching the man onto the world. And then we all got locked down. What happened was then I just threw myself online and just started getting to know other coaches who are in this space. Finding my feet again, like most things, Chris, as you well know, the Internet and the profile that people present on the Internet is sometimes a little bit of a lie because everybody really at the heart of it is just making it up as they go along. Um, so I thought, well, why not do that as honestly and transparently as possible? So I started reaching out to people like yourself and we started to have conversations. And then my story of becoming a male life coach kind of took a little bit of a a hockey stick in in a different direction in that I was suddenly in the space of uh, men's health because I'd discovered a lump on my testicle and realized that I had testicular cancer. So then I, having spent the most of 2020 talking about mental health and all sorts of suicide prevention and anything in that space that felt like it was worthy of having a conversation about, I felt it was a little bit natural progression for me to just talk about testicular cancer. Um, That again, kind of brought a lot of light into my profile, a lot of attention. Um, And since then, I've probably spent most of my coaching professional speaking time uh, in this space talking about men's health and men's body health awareness and 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 actually speaking openly about it um which was i think what brought us together i started a um a live series and we were talking about just getting to know you and stuff so um yeah that that is a very quick whistle stop through my journey
0: <laughs> yeah absolutely well thanks for sharing that what I tend to do in these interviews is ask the guest a little bit about specific mental health challenges um, and I can imagine some might be linked to obviously the diagnosis with with um, testicular cancer and obviously everything that came with that I was wondering if you can maybe share about you obviously getting some devastating news like that and how that impacted you but then also how you dealt with that entire situation
1: it's interesting because if somebody told me, hey, David, on the 1st of September 2020, you're going to get testicular cancer, but we're just warning you now, so you've got a couple of months of a run-up, I probably would have completely crashed and burned, folded in on myself, fell apart, because you can't deal with something that doesn't exist in the moment. And and that when you get something that literally comes along, and slaps you square in the face like testicular cancer. First of all, knowing and being aware of yourself. In 2020, I had, I mean, I'm in my 30s. I had only recently decided that I was going to quit alcohol. So that was like a really big choice that I made in my life. Um, I'd like two years been since I quit smoking. I, I'd made a lot of conscious decisions to better my own personal health, which is... Really strange because all of these decisions that I made to make my physical health better helped my mental health and all of these things never really could have done anything to help or prevent the diagnosis of testicular cancer. Okay, you could probably peel it away and say, oh, maybe it was smoking, maybe it was this, maybe it was lifestyle, but there really, really is no way to know what motivates Two cells to just start manipulating themselves in the wrong way and the developing themselves into cancer. I say that all to say nobody can prepare you for these big life events. And I, the only thing you can do is try and do your best every day to live consciously, to be very aware of your body. That my awareness allowed me to notice it quick enough that I could do something about it so that it didn't become any more serious so there's there's self-awareness in that there's actually knowing that you personally have a responsibility to check in with your body physically and mentally of course um you need to know like if if your arm is broken you have to do something about it but equally not everything is as dramatic as a broken arm a broken leg or you know something like that things subtly can become a huge problem if it left unattended so to answer the question, like, how do you deal with it? You don't, really. You, I don't know if I could have ever written down how I would deal with it. What I did do is I very, very quickly became the person that put what I could do into action. So what is it they say? Um, When you can't see what you need to do or what you have to do, you just do the next right thing. And in the moment when I discovered the lump on my testicle, it was a very odd moment because I was packing my bag. I was living in my parents house. I was going back to London the next day for the first time. Well, I'm pretty sure for the first time on this night, I was alone in the house and I discovered this. And I instantly like it's late at night. It was like midnight, so I can't bring anybody. Nobody's in the house. But I was also equally settled by the knowledge that I was like, I think that's testicular cancer and that and people find that really odd for me to say, because if you like I said, if you told me two months previous in September, you're going to get testicular cancer, I'd have been running around like a headless chicken, like literally going, help me. But I was like, OK, I'm going to have to deal with this tomorrow. But then tomorrow did come And I and I did get a lot of anxiety The next day A friend of mine called me On a whim And was like Oh you're going back to London today Are you excited It's been ages Blah 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 And I I was Quite obviously And notably different And distant And she was like What's wrong And I was like I can't lie to you And she was like What's wrong And I was like I don't want to be dramatic But um, She was like You need to go and Call multiple doctors And get an appointment As soon as possible And I went OK, this is actually as serious as I'm expecting it to be. um. And it was it was her that made me deal with it there and then. And then I just went from appointment to appointment, from scan to scan to blood test to blood test to then f- suddenly found myself on the the eve of having a, a a testicle off. And that that was the moment where I was like, holy crap, for whatever reason testicular cancer came along at a very good at a time where I had just spent like the whole of COVID in the school of life and being very aware of my body and very aware of my mind. I was the healthiest and the fittest mentally and physically I've ever been in my life in the year of 2020 because the only time you could really leave the house was for exercise and I just started exercising a lot and probably why I recovered so quickly probably why I was able to deal with it mentally as quickly as I did when you're faced with adversity you have to trust that you're going to be able to deal with it in the best way that you know how
0: yeah that's uh that's quite some story one question I did want to ask you is evidently as a result of of the worries around you know what is this lump and then the uh, diagnosis consequently how did you go about kind of processing everything and also sitting with those negative emotions like the anxiety like were there any tools or anything that you used to help you through that tough period So I think
1: whilst I was going through it I I, I immediately um, called in what we called the bald squad so <laughs> there was a whatsapp group and they were called the bald squad when good things happen in your life when bad things happen in your life, you probably have the five, six, seven, maybe you're lucky to have more people that you call to tell them good news, that you call to explain something has happened. And at, at this time, there was a lot of people. But also, I realized that the mental energy I needed and the emotional strength to be able to share what's the latest of um, um, the most recent scan, what's the next doctor appointment, where we're at, what's going on. Like those little updates, I found telling people individually was really, really tiring. So I'm going through all of this myself and I'm processing it. But also, it's really nice to process it with somebody. So it's also, you know, this event happened. I've just left this doctor's appointment. I've just been given all these pieces of information. Let me tell you immediately. Because if I tell you, then you can then ask me maybe questions or I feel comfortable in the knowledge that I've told you. And actually, by saying it out loud, it feels okay. You know, it doesn't feel as scary as it might loop in your head. Um, And I I do that a lot. If something happens or if I'm in a particular anxious state or something is ticking over my head, I have the awareness and develop the awareness to go, I'm looping thoughts here. So I need to say it to somebody who's not going to stand there and give me advice or stand there and try and fix me and the beauty of when you're going through testicular cancer is nobody in the space can help fix you they can't give you advice this is the first time this has happened so it was me venting talking saying words just hashing it out so we had the ball squad so this was like a real good vessel for me to to share information and to not just get like support back but also to reassure everybody when you're going through and and anybody I'm, I'm sure anybody that's ever gone through any kind of cancer or illness like this the best thing you feel you can do in the moment is reassure your loved ones that you're okay because you can literally see the worry on their face i'm i'm healthy i'm well just somebody's going to take my ball in a couple of weeks and you know but generally other than that i don't feel sick you know to to share that with other people is so powerful, and it comes back to the same thing, Chris. It comes back to all the best method for dealing with anything personal is to talk about it. It it really is, and I, the ball squad, were very like there. They were they were even talking to each other. They were keeping each other informed. Um, my housemate when I moved back here, she was essentially my primary carer. She was like, but she was getting messages behind my back from people going you know what's going on tell me i don't want to ask him blah 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 but you know she was able to confidently say like he's okay he's genuinely okay my biggest problem was when i decided to make the decision to start telling other people what was happening um and i began to do it personally and i was i met with friends and i said look this is what's going on for me right now that is exhausting
0: I I totally agree with everything you've said there. The power of talking first and foremost, like, unbelievable. You know, I uh, I struggled in silence for so long with, with my mental health, specifically, like, depression and suicidal thoughts, and it. I never wanted to talk about it. I, and I didn't see the value in it. I didn't think it was going to make a difference. But then, having experienced, having actually opened up about it, you realise yeah actually this has made such a huge difference especially if it is someone who gets it someone who's been there but the other thing I was going to mention on that point is personally I was similarly very particular about who it was I spoke to about how I was feeling not for any kind of ill you know reason or anything like that but it was because I knew the impact it telling some you know close friends and family i just knew it was going to have a negative impact on on them and potentially on myself as well so in in kind of not going so in depth with certain people it was it was protecting myself and protecting them and and sometimes personally i found it a lot easier to open up to people who perhaps I was more like acquaintances or loose friends with because they are maybe not so heavily emotionally invested in you as a person if that makes sense or at
1: least you at least you allow yourself to believe that they're not right yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah you, that's you, true. There's, a, there's a detachment which is why therapy and counseling and coaching works isn't it because you can feel non guilty about offloading your most inner selfish thoughts, essentially, like because people don't want to be perceived as being the one that's got the problem, like because in your family circle, friend circle, you think, oh, well, so and so is not working at the moment. And this person's like really struggling with money. And I know that that person's mother is sick. So I don't want to bother them with my problem, which seems to me like trivial, but it's not. 100% yeah yeah I mean having that
0: kind of like third party kind of person there who doesn't really know you on that personal or doesn't know you on that personal level it does just remove so many of those barriers that might be in in the way when it comes to talking to people who really know you it does make it so much easier just to open up and, and talk about things that you probably wouldn't talk about with anyone else. Something I want to expand on a little bit is it sounds like a lot of good has come out of it. And I, I can, again, relate to this on a huge level. Often it surprises people when, when I say to them, like, I'm glad I suffered with depression because it's given me it's opened my eyes in a number of ways to to the struggles that a lot of people have and i think i'm a lot more empathetic these days than i would have been perhaps had i not gone through that and and the other thing would be in terms of my character i think going through that experience and having to kind of drag myself out of it has undoubtedly done wonders for my my character so i was wondering then is that similar for you? Do you you find that that whole experience has kind of really helped to mold and shape you? And and do you see a lot of positives coming off the back of it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's so many, like they're, they're, they're almost subtle and big at the same time. Like there's so many different ones. One of the main things that I feel for me is, is just like, I would have always been pretty confident anyway but it made me more confident about my vulnerabilities. So I'm quite happy to now talk a lot more openly about anything. I think I just think there's nothing is off the table. You know, when you start talking openly about your balls, like you, you, you know, you have to be able to kind of go, "We're look, we're talking about uh, the ugliest part of the male anatomy <laughs> here, like it just hangs there. There's not, you know, like and it, it's awkward, but like one of these things that i found joy in was actually talking about it and to the point where you think oh god david's talking about his balls again uh, but you know one of those like i i do feel very lucky because it it opened up a it opened up a space for me to share it 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 allowed me to express all of that but one thing i was so surprised about and i'm so grateful for is not that I ever really struggled with body image. I would have said that I would have always been the skinny kid, you know, like I was a bit scrawny. Then I went to the gym a little bit and I, I, you know, I got to about 27 and I started to develop like, you know, my pecs came in and my obliques came in and I was like, oh, okay. You know, a bit fucking late, like 27. Do you know what I mean? But I, I started to feel a little bit more like my body was, a man's body and that was like around 27 so by the time we got to 2020 and then you're having a ball off like for me as a single gay man that felt very 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 life-changing at times and I was thinking to myself how do you go about going into relationships or you know sexual situations and not think well I've I've only got one, like, are they going, you know, are they going to be like, what the hell is going on here? Am I like a cyclops? Like, am I a weirdo? And there was a process post-surgery where I went through this real journey of loving my body, not because of what it looked like, but the journey it had been on. And um, on the journey that I went on of actually going, okay, this scar on my body, this scar right here, this represents so much that actually I don't want it to go away and I'm glad it's there and I'm glad that if anybody does see it, they're able to ask the question because I want to talk about it. I don't want to, I don't want to brush my my experience of life under the carpet and hope that it doesn't come back and nobody talks about it and let's not talk about the cancer around David because he's really, you know, no, th- that's not what I wanted to do. But Whilst I was doing that, I was very conscious about going, Okay, well, you need to get to a point of being confident, taking your clothes off in front of a brand new person who you will never have seen before. That doesn't happen very often, by the way. Um, But like, you know, just you have to I have to get to a point where when I'm standing there naked, I'm not only thinking about the bit that's missing. I'm appreciating all that is there. And that was like a, a like a six to eight month journey. And. I blogged about like my first sexual experience getting back and and all of the thoughts that were going on in your head and stuff. And I would say that I have never in my life been more confident and more accepting and happy in my own skin. And we all know that you could be ripped to shit like you could be like a, a Greek sculpture and you could still feel uncomfortable in your own skin you could equally be, you know, on the larger side of life, on the skinny side of life, you know, without the, all the things that we see in advertisement, and you can be uncomfortable in your skin, but you could also be super comfortable in your skin, so it's not about what it looks like, and somebody would be like, oh yeah, look at you, yeah, you've got, you've got all of that, and you're skinny, and you're young, and blah, 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 but it's not about that, it's about the feeling, and then once you get to that feeling, You've climbed an invisible mountain that you will never have to climb again. But I think when you go on a journey of accepting your body and what it's the journey it's been on and what it does for you and you appreciate it, that was the most enlightening thing, like enlightening thing. And I feel so lucky to have had that experience of really doing the deep work when it comes to that, because I actually really love my body.
0: It's a such a common common thing as well. And I, I really resonate with what you're saying about like you can have a body of like a Greek god, but you could still be miserable and, and pick your body apart. I, I do think actually, uh, you know, to, to go into the my kind of world, the fitness industry, bodybuilders, for example, if I remember rightly, there's research on bodybuilders and the impact it has on, I can't remember if it's their mental health generally or their body satisfaction and it's not good reading it does not make good reading but that doesn't surprise me the process then of being able to appreciate your body and all it does was there anything in
1: in particular that you really focus on to help kind of get you to that point there's always that feeling of going oh you need to do this I think what what I feel very lucky is that I found something that I could do anywhere anytime I didn't need anybody other than myself and i could do it like so doing yoga was something that nobody can take away from me because once i learn a routine or i download an app i can do it on you know a street corner if i needed to do i mean i can do it anywhere so for me it was about making sure that when i was on this mission to to really understand my body and what it does i had all of the tools that i needed to do the things that i could and to keep it consistent really i mean consistency is key in everything but no more is no more is more obvious than when you're actually trying to work with the body you have to you have to show up for your body every day i mean we have to do it for our mind every day but you have to show up for your body every day and you have to do all of the things that you know do you a good service and i've been in the place where i've Run 5K a day in May, every day. And then I've fast forward to July and I haven't run and I'm scrolling my phone. I haven't journaled. I haven't done yoga and I feel like shit. (laughs) And then I go, okay, time to go back to the school of life, David. You know, like, let's go. Off your ass. This is why you feel like shit. (laughs) I think that answered your question. Yes, indeed, (laughs) indeed.
0: In the interviews, we spent some time just reflecting a little bit on. On men, and in particular, what it means to be a strong man. Before I get to that, though, obviously, you've had some experience with your workshops and presentations and coaching. In your experience, what do you think men need to get
1: better at? Oh, that's a big question, Chris. I mean, it's a good question, <laughs> but it's a big question. What I would say is, um, for the most part, any any of the men's mental health, men's spaces I've been in, most importantly, we need to drop the shame. We need to stop feeling like we're ashamed to bring up something that maybe has happened to us in our life that we feel we can't figure out a way through. So there's actually literally nothing to be ashamed about by being a man. And actually, if you start to unpack the big bag of shame that you have under your desk, you might find that life gets a little bit lighter. And I meet and speak to so many people who at the core of all of the problems that they find themselves stacking up in time and life and look, you're human. You're going to do this. Things are going to happen to you. You're going to go through this cycle of life, whether it's a couple of years, whether it's a couple of decades and you're going to get some shit right. You're going to get some shit wrong and you're going to upset people and you're going to make people happy. But you can't hang on to all of the bad stuff and try and go, oh, one day I'll go through the filofax facts." bag of shame and I'll, I'll address every little individual. You have to find a way to just let it go. You have to like absolutely own it and, and address it, but don't carry it around. Like it's no, there's, there's so many people I know who've gone on the journey of quitting alcohol. Like I did and I'm four years sober, alcohol free, whatever way you want to say it. So there are people that have come to me with questions about it and they say, I just can't deal with the memories of who I was at my worst drunk state. And the biggest question that they find really difficult to understand is, are you like that now? Is that who you are now? And they're like, no. And I'm like, well, why the Are you actually carrying that person around with you? If you know deep down that you're not that person and you know deep down that you, you're you not going to touch alcohol in the way that you did anymore or in that way anyway at all, then you're never going to just wake up one day and be that person that you were in your 20s who was irresponsible and just doing stuff because of whatever was in you at the time. Let's deal with shame. That's what men need to do.
0: This is this is again coming back to to my industry. This is one thing that frustrates the fuck out of me is <laughs> is uh, the fact that people like shame people and people shame themselves to try and use that as motivation to to improve their health or improve their fitness. And you're like, guilt and shame are not good motivators in any
1: way. They're not tools that are going to make any job easier or successful. No, never. It's not going to work. It's not going to work.
0: So yeah, the question is, what one word would you use to describe a strong man, and why?
1: So this is kind of almost the the way in which to deal with shame. When you ask this question, and and I kind of you you gave me a little clue that we were going to talk about this, so I I, I did give it some pondering thought and i thought about myself as well and i i thought about the the toxic version of masculinity that we are so presented with uh so often in in life and um, and but i i i wanted i still wanted to use this word and it's courage so courage in a toxic masculinity is the courage to go up and actually stand up for yourself and fight the fight and, and don't back down but actually Real courage. Real courage is about having the courage to be vulnerable, having the courage to allow yourself to address things that don't feel like they serve you, or having the courage to sit down with a friend and ask a question that you've been pondering on, of, you know, are you okay? Or did something happen between us? Like if you ever stepped up in front of somebody and stared them right in between the eyes and went, What's going on between us? Because I get something from you that something's not right. If you've ever had the courage to have, the, have that conversation, you will always know that it never turned out to be a bad thing. If you address somebody with courage, it doesn't mean that you go head on with them and like force them to give you answers. It, it means that you actually have the courage to sit in a space with somebody and just hear them out. That's hard sometimes. Us men, we struggle to talk, but we're not great at listening either. And generally as people, we're always listening to respond rather than you know listening to understand and and i think if you give yourself the opportunity to sit with somebody or stand or not feel like you have to shove an anecdote into a couple of pints on a friday like you just ask the question we are we are all energetic beings that if we were standing in a room together We've never stood in a room together, me and you, but if we were standing in a room together or at the gym or at a party and I got an energy from you because I would, I would be either like, you know, really great to see you high energy, full, full energy, or it would be low to have the courage to turn around to somebody that, you know, and say, what's going on? Are you okay in that space? Knowing full well that you can trust your intuition to go. There's something not right here. That's courage there's something that's standing out in my mind when you're talking about that is like the
0: fact that our nervous systems actually can communicate with each other the prime example of that is someone standing behind you you can't visually see them but you can feel their presence and the other one that's often used is when an intervention happens for example and some you walk into a room and you know you get a vibe of people like, okay, something's just about to go down here. And again, it's just that subconscious communication that that's taking place there.
1: It happens with strangers. I mean, uh, last week I was on a bus. I had my AirPods in, noise cancelling AirPods in. I was listening to a podcast, I think it was. And I felt this, we were in traffic and I felt this energy and I was like, what is happening? So I took my earphone out for a second, and I was just like, is somebody shouting or something? Is there's, there's somebody angry in there? And then it just right behind me, in the bus, there was a guy. Oh, oh, come on, and he was ang- angsty and I felt it. But like we all know, you like even from when we were kids, you walk into a room and your your mom or your dad is pissed off. You're like, oh fucking no, <laughs> you know. You know they don't have to say anything, um, so so trust that. Like it's it's so important, and it, it's it, it will help you. Also,
0: what you were talking about about asking the question that kind of feels most natural, and then listen. I think that's my favorite technique that I use with clients. I'm giving away my big secrets here. I mean, it's <laughs> not a big it's not a big secret at all. A lot of people do this sort of stuff. People need but to know it, your secrets. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, you open up the conversation, and then say absolutely nothing from that point on create these awkward silences which are awkward no doubt but you automatically your brain's like say something say something say something so if you just leave it if you just sit in silence the person's more likely just to keep going and keep going and keep going and and get to the root of what might be going on with them and and yeah that's one of the best Tools that I could recommend people use when trying to have that conversation, that courageous conversation. So to go back to where we first started, we mentioned the Instagram live. We've talked about you know having the conversations about checking your balls and that sort of stuff. I remember on that Instagram live, you you rounded off that live by asking me when was the last time you checked your balls. So I was wondering if you could give the uh, the listeners their own wee reminder to to make sure to check those
1: those babies okay and do you have an answer to that question now
0: uh actually i don't know when the last time i checked them was maybe a couple of weeks ago i should probably give them another wee feel
1: good well it, it is very good of you to to bring that up and i and i appreciate you asking because it is always something that i am keen to share and that is that especially in april which is testicular cancer awareness month that we should all check our balls at least once a month, like at least once a month. Like I said to you before, I think it's really important for people to know if a cell starts to go wrong and become cancerous, it's you're looking at about five months before it becomes a problem. So if you detect something, it'll be within that five months, as long as you know your body well enough. For a testicular cancer, they come in all sorts. If you ever have anything that changes down there. So if anything, you know, if you get like an unexplained swelling, soreness or any sort of discomfort down there, then it's always something that you should definitely go and uh, consult a doctor about because the likelihood of something being wrong down there, you you don't want to leave it because it could get very serious very fast. And in young people from 15 to 35 upwards, you're the captive audience of potentially developing testicular cancer. That doesn't um, mean that anybody younger or older is, is immune. So to, to know your balls, what you want to do is you want to do it after the shower or in the shower, a time when uh, the, the testicles are hanging low and they're not cold and tight and hiding away and hibernating. Grab one at a time and roll it between your thumb and your forefinger. And basically, you're just trying to see what, is there. You're just feeling around. I mean, we can all feel a a stone in our shoe or a, a little bit of, you know, something in the back of our tooth that's tiny. So you will feel it. You will, if you're, if you're consciously doing it, you'll feel if anything is wrong. And basically first time, if you've never done it before, you're basically going down there to check and see what your balls feel like, because if you've never done it, then you need to know. And then you use that as your basis for, okay. if anything changes, then I'll know because now I know what they feel like. But if you do go down for the first time and you're unsure, you're feeling the testicle itself and you want to roll it lightly between your thumb and your forefinger. And if you feel any lumps or bumps or hard bumps in it inside the walls of the testicle, that's what your testicular cancer is going to be. Equally, a lot of people have mini cysts that exists around the testicle and around the tubes. Um, and that is always normal. But if you do find one, then it's always worth getting it checked out because you don't know how long it's been there. You don't know how big it can get. So swelling, any changes or any hard lumps within the walls of the testicle, um, go and get it checked. I always say that mine felt like a frozen pea inside a soft, like baby potato. That's what it felt like. But I also still have to check my one remaining ball. The only difference between you and I is that it takes me half the time.
0: <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. I actually wasn't even, uh, this is shame on me. I wasn't aware it was testicular no shame, cancer Chris. month. No shame, no Chris. <laughs> yeah. No shame. Yeah, I need to take on board what we've been chatting about. But yeah, I wasn't aware it was testicular cancer month um, this month.
1: You can be forgiven for not knowing when what is the national month? I mean, there are so many of them, unless you're, I don't know, in the business of national days or 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 special awareness months, then you probably won't know. But it is April. But then you see March is men's health month. So it kind of spills over. And then you've got November, which is also men's mental health month and testicular cancer for November so you know like there, there's lots of there's lots of times in the year but April April and November are the big the big key points so check them on check them on those months
0: well thanks so much for your incredible insight and for sharing your story I, I love your uh, like you said before we start recording just how you're an open book and normalizing I don't know if normalize is the right word but you know, bringing to the fore some really key issues and things for for men to really be aware of. So thank you so much for that. I really, really do appreciate it. I was just going to give you a little bit of time just at the end here to talk a bit about Yourself. Where can people find you? Uh, are you still doing coaching? And you know, if people were interested, how would they maybe get in touch with you or get involved?
1: So my uh D- DMs are always open at Coaching the Man, but I also exist in another realm, which is David C Presents, which is probably more active at the moment. Uh, I spend a lot more of my time recently uh, working as a creative director for an events company called Bingo Loco, uh, which is taking me all over the world recently, and I've been very very lucky to be in North America. America. And I travel between here and Ireland, the UK and Ireland quite a lot. As my dad likes to say, you've got more air miles than Richard Branson. I don't think that's true, but you know, I'm competing. Um, So yeah, at at coaching the man on Instagram, I'm coachingtheman.co.uk. My DMs are always open. Um, I'm always happy to have a conversation. I'm not currently taking on coaching clients. But I'm more found a lot nowadays doing like public talks, private talks, corporate talks that are all around the subject of men's health. And that is where most of my time is spent outside of my current full time role. But it also allows me to connect with men and people uh, with other men in their lives on a bigger grander scale and i'm kind of enjoying that space at the minute so um that's where i am i will return to coaching one-on-one at some point in the near future i'm sure i'll feel the call back to it but at the moment that's not where where i am sounds like you've got a a
0: very full plate at the moment um absolutely but that's brilliant i'm uh well i'm delighted that you're helping men in this way with their you know bringing awareness but also just helping them generally with uh, their health uh, I as are you <laughs> as are you let's
1: let's celebrate you and this podcast i mean you know it's really important that people do have things like this that they can tune into and i i don't know about you but i listen to podcasts whilst i'm out walking or whilst i'm commuting i'm very rarely listening to like music but um th- these conversations are important to have and sometimes it's not necessarily about something that you've never heard of or something that you don't know I find sometimes it's nice to just be reminded. So if it's a conversation that people enjoy having, then we'll do it and people can listen in and people can take what they need from it at the time.
0: Well, thank you. Thank you very much. It's been really awesome to, to chat with you. I'm very uh, grateful for your time and uh, like I say, for your incredible insight and experiences. So thanks so much. Thank you, Chris. David Caulfield everybody, so I trust you enjoyed that conversation, I certainly did. I've got to say I really do admire David and the work that he does in bringing awareness to testicular cancer. It was obviously meant to be, as I said in the interview, I wasn't actually aware at the time that it was testicular cancer awareness month this month. It was total coincidence that I invited him on uh to talk about testicular cancer. But as I say, yes, it the the stars aligned and it was it was meant to be. Just reflecting on that Instagram live that we did a year or so ago, we had spent most of that conversation chatting about men's health and men's mental health and a bit on my work and what I do and that kind of stuff. And then out of the blue at the end of the interview, David pops up with a Chris, when was the last time you checked your balls? <laughs> and I was very much on the back foot, I had not anticipated that question at all, but I really appreciated that question as well. I'll be honest, it made me feel a little uncomfortable to share, to chat about my balls and to chat about the last time I, te- I, ch- I texted them, I'd <laughs> I checked them, but it really highlighted to me just yet how important it is that we are asking ourselves these questions to ensure that we are looking out for for things like that. because as David was reflecting on in that conversation, it could really happen to anyone. So, yeah, as much as it was uh, a little bit unexpected, I, I did really appreciate it, and I really appreciated his openness in today's interview. I do trust it was challenging for you. And if you take anything away from this episode, do remember to check those bad boys on a regular basis. We're going to move on now to the brain break which is the segment of the show that's designed to give your brain a break rather than break your brain because at the end of the day we are covering some heavy ass topics on this podcast and we need something a bit more light and just allow the brain to recover (laughs) from some of these conversations. Now last week I was talking about the fact that I've been watching Lord of the Rings and it really amazed me the fact that Tolkien was able just to Make up some random ass name For all of these characters, and I was asking you guys for some ideas of a of Names for Lord of the Rings characters, so we got a couple of good character suggestions and a couple of bad ones and I feel like Two of these submissions were really good. <laughs> the other two could have easily been written by a five-year-old but there you go, no offence, no offence. The good characters we'll start with, we've got Holy Howard. Now, my dad's name is Howard, and I think that's the inspiration for <laughs> for this one, uh, Holy Howard. And the other good character was Kiro, and there was actually a bit of context behind Kiro. The, the idea is he is the key hero. They combine the two together, Kiro. That's quite clever. I'll give you that, and it does sound kind of Lord of the Ringsy as well, Kiro. The bad characters. We'll start off with with the good one, which is Zygor. I think that's quite good. And again, you can you can you're getting that Lord of the Rings feel with that. The second suggestion for a bad character, um, Fatty. Fatty. Yeah. I don't think that would make it in the Lord of the Rings universe. We've got Zygor and Kiro and Fatty. But thanks anyway for your suggestions. If I do decide to try and write a Lord of the Rings style novel, I'll definitely make sure that Fatty is the main character. Before talking about next week's brain break subject, and I've got a good one this week, a couple of other bits of correspondence, both in relation to the Elekna's slash fart story. Anthony got in touch to say that he successfully managed to perform Aleknas without any earth shattering farts which is an achievement in itself so a huge well done from me and and also Mike got in touch Mike who is the villain of this story the phantom farter he got in touch to say that he was listening to the podcast at his desk trying not to laugh out loud at the retelling of the Aleknas story it is an absolute belter, no doubt so if you missed that make sure to go and listen to the previous episode Moving on then to next week's brain break topic. And I'll need to preface this with a story. This weekend myself and Abby were lucky enough to go out for dinner at this nice restaurant in Glasgow. It was an engagement gift which was really lovely. We went there, had some nice food, a few drinks, and we came home at roughly 11 o'clock and the neighbour across the landing had some kind of alarm going off. Now, I didn't think too much of this. I thought maybe it's just like a smoke alarm, like the battery's gone off. Uh, sorry, the battery's run out. And yeah, it's just one of these annoying little alarms. And, you know, we'll just leave it. It'll be fine. The beefing didn't stop. I knocked on the door, no answer, nothing. It got to about two in the morning and it was still going. And we had kind of decided right let's just go to sleep we'll put the the, like earplugs in and let's just go to sleep well hopefully it'll be done in the morning but there was something nagging at me a little bit to be like hmm i don't think you should leave that so we jumped on the old google and it turns out what was happening was the carbon monoxide alarm in this flat was going off and we identified it by the number of beeps so if you're not aware four beeps in a row followed by a pause is the carbon monoxide alarm. We also started to feel a little bit unwell. So both of us kind of had like a tight sore head and feeling a bit nauseous and sick and that sort of stuff. So we put two and two together and realised, oh shit, we need to get out of here. So we went downstairs and stood outside the flat, called the the fire uh, engines and that sort of stuff and they came and what have you. And because we were feeling unwell, We phoned NHS 24, who asked us to go up to A&E. and e on a Friday night, is just not where you want to be. It was absolutely rammed with just drunk people. We were sat there as well for six hours or so. We we arrived at four in the morning, and we didn't get out until six. But anyway, we're all fine, and that's the main thing. We're all fine. The reason I wanted to talk about this story was because... (laughs) We had an interaction with one said drunk person whilst we were waiting to be seen in the A&E waiting area. And it was this man, he must have been about 50 or 60, he'd had one too many, but he was very friendly. He came up and started chatting away to us and uh, took a liking to Abby because she is very pretty at the end of the day. So he was chatting to her mainly. I kind of sat in silence because I was just like a zombie and I couldn't do words. But he was telling her all about how his dad had had passed away which is obviously very sad and he was telling us about the cremation that was happening on Wednesday he then went on to say that they had a really good cremation song for their for his dad. He couldn't quite remember he knew it was Johnny Cash so we started going through Johnny Cash songs to try and help him help remind him of what song it might be turns out that his dad had wanted Ring of Fire to be his cremation song which was quite funny I fell into a burning ring of fire. I went down, 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 and the flames went higher. And it burns, burns, burns. The ring of fire. The ring of fire. I, uh, I won't be giving up the day job anytime soon. But yeah, hopefully that jogs your memory and highlights the irony. <laughs> so that is the inspiration for this week's brain break ironic cremation songs I mean that's a really specific brain break topic but if you can think of anything that beats Ring of Fire by Johnny Cash as the ultimate cremation song then you need to get in touch and you can do that by emailing the show tsm at thewellbeingpt.com so please do get in contact with the show I love to hear from my listeners and I'll make sure to give you a wee shout out as well in the next episode Okay, just to very quickly wrap things up and let you get away. If you're new here, The Strong Men is a brand new community of men who are working on both their physical and mental strength together. Currently, this is an Edinburgh-based group. However, I do have plans to grow this group further and potentially in other locations, as well as online too. So do keep up to date with the very latest if it sounds like something you'd like to get involved with in the future. However, if you'd like to get involved with the Strong Men right away, you can do. We currently run three monthly events, which really help to challenge the guys and push them a little bit in terms of their physical and mental health. We have the Strongman Build coming up next, which is gonna be happening next Saturday. This is basically a gym-based event, which helps the guys get to grips with lifting to help them build strength and confidence. If you're interested in coming along and trying it out, you can do so, and it won't cost you a penny. If you'd like to come along, All you need to do is get in touch with me. I will send you all the details and get you added to the Strongman community WhatsApp group as well. If the group's not for you, but you love listening to the podcast and you love the work that I'm doing, you can help support the strong men by donating. You can find a donation link in the episode description. All donations, no matter big or small, are massively appreciated and go towards the running costs of not only this podcast but the group itself. There's absolutely no pressure on my part to donate. I love doing what I do at the end of the day and I will continue to do this regardless of donations but if you do feel so inclined i would be very very grateful that's all for this week's episode thanks so much for being here and checking it out and until next time take good care of yourself